Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, Martin Palomo of Pinnacle Trust joins as always. We'll get to Martin in a little bit. Our guest, uh, Cliff Young of Insurance Solutions Group, is back as well. We're going to talk uh, long-term care insurance, uh, cost of care, toll on caregivers, Medicaid, stuff that, frankly, a lot of people don't want to talk about probably too terribly much. You don't sit around and go, hey, let's talk Medicaid today. But these are topics that uh, affect most of us and affect people in our lives, and it's things that you probably need to be aware of. And so Martin and Cliff are going to uh, to guide us through some of those things. We'll get to that in a minute. First, let me tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. 662-257-1900 is the number. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove to you what that means when you call the number. And Martin, before we get started with today's show, tell the people out there about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Awesome. I uh, appreciate you, Neil. Glad to be back on. Um, <clears throat> you know, the best way I think that most people are engaging with us now, it's funny, Cliff and I were talking just before the show started about, you know, the power of social media, you know, and, and, and that's where most people engage with us now. So, you know, folks that are listening haven't liked our Pinnacle Trust Facebook page, um, you know, go over there, give us a like, a thumbs up. Um, also, we now have a dedicated Mind on My Money Facebook page. So we've had uh, a good bit of interaction and engagement there as well. You can go over there and follow us and like us. We're real responsive uh, on Facebook. Uh, we're trying to do some fun stuff with Instagram, uh, which, Neil, uh, our cartoon characters of you and I seem to be a hit. Everyone, uh, we, we get a lot of comments on on, uh, on how cool they look. But anyway, um, you know, give us a like on Facebook. If you want to, to reach us through email, um, you can reach us at info at pintrust, P-I-N-N-Trust.com. And now we also have a dedicated Mind on My Money email. So that is mom, M-O-M-M, at P-I-N-N-Trust.com if you want to reach us via email. If you want to do it the old-fashioned way and pick up the landline and call us on the phone, you can get us at 601-957-0323. If you get in touch with us and you found us either uh, through Oxford Exxon podcast, through Facebook, or through the Mind on My Money page, uh, we'll give you 10% off your first year's fees as well, which is pretty awesome because that's money and savings right back in your pocket. Um, but a little clip about the history of Pinnacle. Um, you know, we were we were started more than 20 years ago. We have clients scattered all over the Southeast. 
Uh, so we're not just a Mississippi company, but we are based in Jackson, Mississippi, and we try to help people solve their problems as they relate to personal finance, whether it's investment-related, insurance-related, um, you know, planning-related. And I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to talk about today. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about, Martin. How can you be excited to talk about long-term care insurance? But it's something that is it affects a whole lot more people than we know. And it's and you know, and the younger listeners are probably like, oh my gosh, I don't want to I don't want to listen to any of this, but. Where it is really, really helpful to know the information is for our parents. So if you've got, you know, parents that are retirement age, this impacts, you know, adult children that, uh, that have parent, parents that are retirement age too. So really excited to have Cliff on. Um, if, if uh, you know, you want to get in touch with Cliff as well, I'm going to let him, um, you know, give the info for, to reach him. But I know that Insurance Solutions Group has a Facebook page as well. So since we're on the social media train, uh, if you haven't liked Insurance Solution Group, uh, in Mississippi, go follow and like them as as well. Cliff, you want to tell a little bit of your story again, man, for our listeners that didn't hear you on the first few episodes? Yeah, I'll dive in there. Thank you, Martin. Um, Insurance Solutions Group, very much like Pinnacle. We've been around for 40 years. Um, we're a wholesale insurance brokerage agency for life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability insurance, and fixed annuities. Um, my clientele, kind of the odd end of the insurance business, not calling Martin odd, but people like Martin are my customers. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm odd. It's yeah, okay. You can call me odd. I've known you long enough to call you odd. <laughs> I, I resemble that remark. That's right. So, uh, you know, we don't we don't sell direct to the public. We sell through financial advisors, insurance agents. Uh, we're kind of a go-to back office for those guys on the products that I mentioned. And as Martin mentioned, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, my personal email address is cliff, C-L-I-F-F, at I-S-G-I dot biz, B-I-Z, if you want to reach out to me with any questions after this podcast. Awesome. So, Cliff, I know that we've got a, pardon the pun, a cliffhanger for uh, for everyone, for all of our listeners. It's horrible. To, <laughs> that, hashtag dad jokes. Yeah. Well, Martin, I'm going to try to go in with the cliff notes and not make it a very long presentation. Nice. Today. So don't leave me hanging on the cliffs. Which I'll give me the abridged cliff notes. Neil, are you going to fire us now? Uh, it's it's, it's, being, it's, <laughs> it's being, being bad. It's being discussed right now. Yes. <laughs> you know what? If for nothing else, if anyone captured that first bit, they're going to know exactly how I am at my house. So that is uh, my kids. I I, try, I do try to embarrass my kids, but I don't do a very good job of it. So, but anyway, so Cliff, let's we'll jump back on um, to the serious train. So the topic we're going to talk about that I wanted you to come in and. And chat with us. It it's a topic that most people are probably going to, you know, roll their eyes over. Their eyes are going to glaze over. Um, and it, and it is long term care insurance. And a lot of folks, you know, have no idea what that means. It's also, you know, the the cliff notes of long term care is it's you know is to help with uh, nursing or or care at home for if you have any you know, any type of thing that qualify you for that type of care, which we'll get into shortly. But kind of give us the "Quote unquote cliff notes on uh, <laughs> on on you know what is long term care insurance and then we'll kind of dive into you know uh, just let let it flow naturally from there. So we'll try to make it a little more exciting as we move along. Yeah, okay. I'll stop with the dad jokes. There we go. Okay, so uh, long term care insurance actually came about in the early 1970s, and Martin hit a very good point there that it's insurance for nursing homes, and I think that's what turns so many people off is 
Number one, I don't want to go to a nursing home. Right. Um, two, I'll never. That'll never happen to me. It'll happen to someone else. Right. So, back in the archaic days of the seventies. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. A lot of people called it nursing home insurance. And there was a very small likelihood that you would actually use that policy. But things have evolved not only in where you can receive care, but the types of policies that not only pay for care, they, they, you can use them so many other ways. Right. If you pass away before needing care or you change your mind, you don't want it anymore, you can get your money back. Lots of different things. But I think the best thing to do is start off with what is the definition of long-term care? Does that mean that if I break my hip, somebody's going to pay for it in the hospital? No, it does not. Does that mean um, if I've got a short-term medical need, it's going to kick in? No, it does not. So the trigger on a claim for long-term care insurance is one of two things, which we'll start out with the, the majority of what causes those claims is a name we all know and, and don't like to hear is Alzheimer's yeah. or dementia, any kind of cognitive impairment that you need care. For at least 90 days, whether it's at home, uh, by home health aid, or a nursing home, or Alzheimer's facility, that's the first trigger on long-term care. The second is there are six activities of daily living. Those are eating, transferring, bathing, things that you can typically do on your own. So if you have a loss of at least two of those activities of daily living and you need care, then your policy is going to kick in and pay for that care. Again, whether it's at home, nursing home, assisted living, all these different types of facilities. So that is what we mean as we dive into long-term care. Right. So, and I know that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to dress this topic up and make it, you know, sound like, oh man, I really want to listen to about long-term care, but let's kind of, let's dive into the, let's just go the shock and awe piece oh, right man, out of the game. right up my alley yeah. now, okay? So, because I know that, you know, the one thing that you never, and you kind of teased us with it with the, oh, it'll never happen to me thing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how often people actually gotcha. do end up in situations where they need it. Okay, so there there are two sets of statistics out there, and I brought uh, a Morningstar report, so we're not oh, pulling right. from insurance company statistics, we're but I'm going to bring them up. So, okay. you've got an unbiased uh, 16 pages of stati statistics here that I've gone through and highlighted the important ones, and then I know the insurance statistics by heart that come from the actual insurance company. So, let's go back to 2015. Yeah, <clears throat> not, not too long ago. Not too long ago. There were 47.8 million people over the age of 65. It's a, okay. lot, it's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Okay. In the year 2050, we think that's a long time from now, right? 30 years from now. Yes. So look at a 40-year-old. Public gonna, math was never my forte. I'm glad you said that. I'll slide you a calculator. Thank you. Okay. In 2050, it's going to be 88 million. Double. So double. Double. So here's the statistic. People over the age 65, 53% are going to need some form of long-term care. Oh, wow. So that, that statistic has actually risen. So back, <clears throat> I'll age myself a little bit, even though I'm still a, a reasonably young person. Um, I mean, it was 16 years ago when I got licensed for mm -hmm. everything. And when I was taking my exams, then it was like one in three. So a 33-ish percent chance. So now... Fast forward, and I know we have probably better data because mm -hmm. the the life the landscape has changed so much in almost twenty years too. 
So it's 53% now. 53% according that, to Morningstar. Now, if you take all the different companies that are selling long-term care insurance, their number is 65. Oh, my gosh. So let's let's take an average. Six, and again, I can't do math. I'm in the I won't, I won't force you to do the public math. I'm okay. terrible at it. So between 53 and 65%, again, I can picture people out there going, well, there's a 40% chance it's, it's not going to be me. Yeah, yeah. I'm so a glasses half full guy. I, you wanted me to get down and dirty on this thing, so we're going to talk about it. Let's let's take the statistics away. Maybe maybe it doesn't, but let's say it does. I can tell you two things that you need to really be careful for, um, and, and that is the reason for insurance. You know, I mentioned this in our life insurance meeting that you know everybody's got their car insured. Yeah, most people Home. don't total it. Yep. Someday, you're very glad you got it. So, you know, over to the Pinnacle Trust side, take me as a 52-year-old. I've done the math out to my age 80, which is the typical age of claim on long-term care. And I took in the 4.5% increase in cost of care each and every year. So what it costs today, that's great. That's going to cost but significantly look, more 30 years from 30 now. years down the road. So the lump sum, if I went on claim at age 80, and I am the average cost of care per day, and I stay on claim for the average length of time, which we'll get into later, that is a, a lump sum of $850,000 that has got to come from somewhere if I won't care. Right. <clears throat> and I, I mean, protect your assets is where I'm going with that. And I think, you know, most of our listeners would probably say, you know, especially the young ones, oh my gosh, I don't even have $800,000. And then our fo- our listeners that are, you know, that are, closer to retirement may go, gosh, well, I've got $800,000, but, you know, that's... I didn't want to spend it there. That's 80%, or that's, you know, 100%, or that's 50% of my savings. So, yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'm a, I'll piggyback on you there saying, for us as financial advisors, the biggest risk to folks' retirement is an unexpected, unplanned for healthcare event in retirement. And so when I do planning with our clients, I model in, hey, let's talk about what would happen if, you know, you had a long-term care event and the early, because the earlier it happens in retirement, the more destruction it causes because you're having to pull massive lump sums out early. Uh, and so that the, the funds you pull never have that opportunity to grow again. They're, they're done. And if you haven't protected, if we haven't protected your retirement savings your retirement portfolio with long-term care insurance and your self-funding, then that's where we get into situations where we're looking at, we don't have enough, there's not enough there to live off of. And then, you know, not that people panic in my office because most folks don't, you know, lose their mind, but you can see the light bulbs come on and the wheels start turning. Um, well, and, and you know, God forbid that you go through that with, with one person in the, in the family and right. then the spouse has the same situation. Yeah. And you've depleted those assets caring for the primary caregiver. Well, and the most common comment that we get from our clients, too, is I don't want to be a burden to my children. And so, Next for, point. yeah, the adult children. Sorry, man, I stole your yeah. thunder. I didn't yeah. have to. No, we're good at this. You know, the adult children piece is, is crucial, too, because also, so I was in San Diego and Neil gave me a really hard time in November because I was gone, like, for three, three episodes. Um, but I was in a conference in San Diego and um, I had a I had a phone call come in, and it was one. It wasn't my client. It was one of the guys that works at our office. It was his client, and they were trying to figure out what to do with mom um, because they had already spent down. And 
you know, what they had, what she had left. And so the kids were trying to figure out how they were going to pay for mom's care. And, uh, and it was a, it was a pretty tough conversation because I didn't, it was already too late to get them yeah. the solution. That they needed. We see it every day. Yep. So back on the shock and all. Yep. Um, <laughs> I love shock and all. The, so your first thing, keep in mind that it's, it's an asset preservation tool. And as Martin just said, it happens every day. Um, a long-term care situation will tap into your funds. The second thing is, as we just brought up, caregivers. And, yep. and when, when insureds, long-term care insured people were surveyed, why did you buy this? The number one reason was I don't want to be a burden on my family. Yeah. So let me jump back into a few boring statistics here. Lies, lies, and statistics. So I hope we have a very wide range of people listening today. So, Martin, what would you guess was the average age of a caregiver? Someone that they can't afford to go to the nursing home, they can't afford afford assisting living. Right. So they're having to make life adjustments to stay home and take care of mom or dad or grandmother or granddad. What's that average age? Perfect. I'm going to answer, but I'm also I'm going to challenge Neil. I'm going to say forty-five. Forty-five. Man, he's good. Dang. You know, I was, he doesn't have an insurance license? I don't know, man. I was going to go higher. Is Neil a better advisor than me? Well, let's see. What's your answer? Well, now I want to change it. So my, my answer was going to be 56. Neil, you're the winner. 49, age 49 is Neil, the correct answer. We're changing, we're changing roles. I'm moving to Oxford. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna become a, a podcaster and a beat journalist, and you're taking my job as a financial advisor. So... Question two, if the average age of a caregiver is 49, the average age of someone receiving the care is 80, who is that 49-year-old? That's the kid. You got it. Yeah, the adult kid. You got it. Yeah. Well, and so the crazy thing is, is a lot of times what what I've seen, what we've seen play out, and this was the case for uh, the, the family that I talked to in November, was the kids got totally surprised because the parents didn't want to be a burden on them. So they got the information of, hey, we're in dire straits, you know, when when they were at their last dollar, yeah. when the parents were at their last dollar. And they're talking about, okay, now we've got to sell the family home because that was the last that was the last asset that they had to use. And they were trying to figure out, well, who is mom going to live with? Uh, dad had passed away. He was It was a dual, one of those dad had needed care. First, and then mom ended up needing care after. Right. Um, I for, totally forgot where I was going. Man, I, my ADD is so incredibly. What were we talking about? We can talk about that later. Okay. Uh, we we, <laughs> Do I have we to... can still get you insured, Mark. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so, so that answered that question. The average age of the caregiver is 49. So we're talking about kids or spouses of those kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. How, Absolutely. How much fun is that going to be? You know, I mean, it's a kind of a crazy dynamic when you have, and we have that in my house. My mother lives with us, and Jen has been really, really awesome, you know, with my mom. And I think I certainly am the exception to the rule because I don't know very many wives that would be on board with their mother-in-law moving in. So, so the average age, if the spouse is taking care of the other spouse that's needing care, the average age there is 62 years old. Okay. Oh man! So Daddy went and robbed a cradle. If yeah. he's eighty and he's got him a sixty-three-year-old right. bride, there you go. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to dig too deep into my own family here, but I, I can tell you a couple of stories of my own family. My um, my stepfather battled Alzheimer's for nine years. 
and my mom was just a few years younger than him, and I can tell you, uh, one, he was not insured for mm-hmm. long-term care. My mom was his caregiver, and it, it took a heavy, heavy toll on her health. Oh, I bet. Um, she's passed away. My dad um, has had a series of strokes. His wife, my stepmom, is about 12 years younger than him. Thank goodness she's his primary caregiver. Wow. You know, my dad's probably six foot, 200 pounds. My stepmom is five, four. Yeah, how do you, how do you move him? Does she just like. She has no choice. She, she, my gosh, she, man. It's, it is taxing. It's a burden. Not a burden because that's your loved one. But, right. man, but I mean, but yeah, but, uh, you know, a, a, a small framed female moving a six foot two, you mm-hmm. know, a man, that's a. It, it's a challenge. That's a, that is a challenge. So. As, as that picture's in your head, 78% of caregivers are females. 78% of people Man. caring for someone are females. And there's no robotics in the house that, yet that like help move massive no. men around when there's little females? That's correct. So on Alzheimer's, because that's, that is the number one cause of people receiving care today. Okay. Alzheimer's so, is number one? Number one, by far, by far. So yeah, and I mean, I guess that makes sense though, because you know there are people that may, you know, if you have a stroke, might be able, you could probably be cared for. In some cases, be cared for at home. Yes, but like with Alzheimer's, it's a that's a danger to them. It's around the, the block. patient and you know pe- probably people around them. If there was someone with Alzheimer's left in a home and. Yeah. I, mean, I can just imagine. I mean, so my grandfather, I had never, I had never, uh, you know, had any personal experience with memory, um, you know, with memory diseases, and and I don't know that his was ended up being Alzheimer's. They definitely, you know, I don't know if he was in full blown Alzheimer's, but there was definitely the dementia was there where he had he couldn't ha- his his current memories were not there, but he remembered like the long term memories, yeah. and um, like he didn't remember who I was. Uh, my dad died in 94, and when we went, my uncle was continuing to introduce us, which kind of, man, that was pretty hurtful. Um, Absolutely. You know, that, and not, and I'm not being hurtful like I was mad at my grandfather, but it's like, gosh, you know, this, he was the patriarch of our family, and then it's just this shell of a dude right now, and, um, you know, and he would say things like, you know, when's, when is Tony coming? And I'm like, uh, dad's been dead for, you know, for almost 30 years, and and then his wife, my grandmother, passed away in 2000. He was asking where she was. And, man, it was – he and I had, my uncle cared for him. Um, <clears throat> and But it was – it was he had no life. My uncle had no life because he cared for, him, for my grandfather. So I'm going to speak out one more time on a statistic, and I know those get boring. But for those with Alzheimer's or other dementia issues who do need care, 33% – of those caregivers are the daughters of that person. So I'm speaking back to the younger audience again. Long-term care insurance is not for old people. Right. The younger, just like any other life insurance or disability, the younger and healthier you are when you decide to make that purchase, the more price effective it is. If you come to us at at age 70, 75, you know, buying house insurance when the house is on fire, either you can't qualify for it medically or the cost is just astronomical. So let's let's talk a little bit about the different because the the old school long term care and long term care is technically health insurance. Um, so like the old school long term care was 
you know, you bought a policy that told you, hey, you have the benefit, you have a benefit and, you know, it's going to pay a daily amount or a monthly amount of X. And you have that benefit for, you know, this defined period of time and the cost is X. And that cost could rise in the old school traditional policies. And I think, because we had that come back to us, one of our clients was real upset that, uh, and he had one of the old school policies um, that he got a, a notice that his premium was going up and his premium had not gone up previously. And, you know, and he kind of melted down, which I would totally do as well if I don't like surprises, especially as they relate to, you know, money. Right. Um, but so those traditional policies, the price can go up as the cost of health care goes up. Yes. Um, but so one of the things you've really helped me with, with some with our other clients is there are some there are some different ways that you can purchase uh, long-term care and, you know, and, and versus the traditional way. Talk a little bit about like the, the new, the modern, the more modern ways that you can buy it in addition to the traditional way. Sure. And, and I think that's, you know, if I were sitting there listening to this podcast, that's, we've shocked and awed them. I would like a solution to the problem now that we've posed the problem. Yeah. So let's come up with a solution and make everybody smile again. Um, so first question. Yes, the traditional long-term care policy sold back in the 70s. Those insurance companies are going to the state insurance department to request that increase in premium. Right, and have to be approved by the commissioner. As much as 125%. Gosh. Thank goodness the state insurance department is not approving that, but we are seeing 25 to 48% premium increases. Right. Why? Well, cost of... Healthcare is rising. I mean, it rises faster. It, it, than... It's only rising four and a half percent. What's <laughs> happened is they did not think that many people would get sick and need care. Sure. So again, it's not going to happen to me. It does. It, right. It does. So here's where we go. On I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow it down to three different types of policies. Okay. The traditional long term care policy is still there. It is still a very viable solution. And we run quotes on this for people all day, every day. If you're over age 60 to 62, and maybe you don't have a lot of money saved up that, that's um, viable income to dump into a policy, traditional long-term care is still a very viable option. Okay. Because at age 60 to 65, you're not going to see as many premium increases, if you see any, as someone much younger buying that type of policy. So. As far as a monthly premium or an annual premium, that is the most cost-effective upfront plan. Okay, so the traditional long-term care insurance is still the if most... If you're over age 60, we're going to show it to you every time alongside some other options that I'm about to talk about. Gotcha. But those plans only pay if you need long-term care. There's no, I changed my mind, please give me my premiums back. There's no death benefit if you pass away before needing care. You just lose it. It is purely for long-term okay. care. So just kind of like car insurance, you pay your premiums on the car insurance you never wrecked the car you've just paid the correct. insurance money i mean insurance company money correct okay. now they're very they're very friendly for couples if if both the husband and wife apply for a traditional plan together they get a very substantial discount on that like 20 percent. why because that person if a husband and wife are applying the spouse may provide some care as long as they can not tapping into those claim dollars sure that makes so, sense so they do favor the married couple on traditional long-term care real quick all of these plans to simplify the explanation 
what you're buying on any of the three types of plans is a pool of benefit dollars. Let's don't get complicated into the, hey, it's $250 a right. day times right, right, right. Let What we're buying is that pool of money that if we need to draw from it down the road to pay for care, it's there. We're banking some money in the insurance company's bank account to pay for care. So traditional long-term care, you got to pay for it forever. In the old days, you could hey, say, hey, I want to have my premiums paid up at age 65. Those were fantastic plans. Those are no longer. So if you if you jump into traditional long-term care, realize premiums are payable forever, and it's only going to pay if you have a long-term care event. Okay, option number two, which I think fits well with Pinnacle's customers, those are, they used to be only lump sum type policies, and they are called hybrid long-term care solutions, okay? So let's assume someone out there has $100,000 of idle money. Maybe it's sitting in a non-performing CD or something like that. They have a concern for long-term care protection. I love how you just said a non-performing CD. Yeah, that's not a plug no. there, Mark. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. If you want performing assets, come to Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust. <laughs> so, in the old days, this hybrid policy was only a lump sum product, and it was beautiful. This 62-year-old female could dump $100,000 single premium, never will be asked for another premium dollar as long as she lives. Every element of the contract's guaranteed. So day one, assume that 62-year-old dies a week after she gets that policy. Yep. Her beneficiary is going to get roughly $135,000. As a death benefit. As a death benefit. So like a life insurance. Tax-free death benefit. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Good move. Not good that she died, but good right. that she leveraged her money in that way. There you go. Let's assume the 62-year-old gets 15 years down the road. And as you know, Mississippi now has the lottery system. So let's say she hits the lottery. She no longer needs that long-term care. She calls the insurance company, says, I no longer want or need this policy. Please send me my $100,000 back. They send it back. So you get your money back. You don't use it, you don't lose it. Correct. The biggest leverage in the hybrid long-term care solution of that $100,000 is into a long-term care pool of money. If she needs care, just like the traditional long-term care policy, whether it's impairment, loss of two ADLs, her 100000 is leveraged to about 300000 Awesome. That she could pull out, reimburse her for care, pays for the care until that three thousand dollars is exhausted so she's gonna they're gonna use their money whether they get it back in a death benefit they ask for it back because they don't need it or they, or need they care. care so Absolutely. speaking of the lottery system neil do you want to pay some bills yeah it would be a good time to do it this uh <laughs> this podcast also brought to you in part by the refrigeration company trc owned and operated by jeremy Watler. he's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years including five as a national service manager at trc they understand that great service means being responsive they're highly trained responsible and dedicated staff are available 24 7 to ensure your complete satisfaction they specialize in ammonia refrigeration but work on any other hfc hcfc or co2 systems TRC is building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. TRC is based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration, vibration analysis and more to learn more call jeremy wattler at 
348-8533 or email him at jeremy at therefridgeco.com. Or you can follow TRC at The Refrigeration Company on Facebook or at their website, therefridgeco.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee. In Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton, Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience. And with their different areas of expertise, the doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. In addition, Elite Dental Care is a family practice, so the entire family can be seen no matter age or severity of problems. Elite Dental Care focuses on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays, and more. There are TVs and radios in every room giving parents and patients the comforts of home all while they receive the most modern technological treatment. Elite Dental Care offers both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared, or for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take off uh, work or take time off work from multiple visits with sedation. Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit, which ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. To reach the doctors at Elite Dental Care, go to EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. Martin? Awesome. So... Before we paid our bills, we were talking about the three different ways that uh, you know that you could access the care. So we talked about the traditional long-term care policy, which is you know maybe the most practical with with regards to costs um, for folks that are above age sixty. Uh, but you're paying that monthly or annually for yeah, the rest yeah. of your life, and if you die before you ever need care, you just that was the cost of. Of having peace of, of peace of mind. Correct. So the other one was a chassis that, you know, you could put a lump sum in, and and I know in a lot of cases if you don't have the lump sum, but you can do it over five years or ten years, you have yes. that option as well. That, those those contracts now allow you to do a single pay, uh, ten pay, twenty pay. One that I really like a lot. Oh, is I didn't know they picked it out that far now. Yeah, now they have a pay to age 65. All right. So if you're 45 years old and say, hey, you know, I don't want premiums when I'm in my retirement years. Yeah. Those premiums are guaranteed, never have an increase. And at age 65, your policies pay for it. Man, that's, so that's, a, that's, a, that's an awesome deal. Because I know yeah. a lot of young people, and I'm saying young people, I'm meaning, you know, less than retirement age, probably aren't thinking about, you know, what happens if, but a lot of times it'll be an event that happens like mom and dad get sick and then, yes. and then the adult children go, man, I do not want that to happen to my kids. Right. So, you know, there is, there is, there is a need and it's probably the least, it's going to be the least expensive ever to Overall, buy it when you're, Oh yeah. You, when you project 40s. out on a younger person, you project out the total cost of premiums, you know, up to age 75, right. as opposed to one of these that has guaranteed premiums. There's no comparison. Awesome. You just got to be able to front the bill up front. Yeah. So young people, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an opportunity for saving some money. Yep. So <clears throat> we talked about the, you the know, hybrid. you can either yeah. get the, you can get it money back. It either comes back to you if you die or you use it in a benefit. So you're getting value for your dollar no matter that, what. That policy is going to pay a benefit to someone no matter what. No matter what. So, so will option three. Yeah, and so I was going to say, you said option three, yeah. and then we, we so, went to pay bills. So tell us about option Yeah, three. so option two, quick rehash, $100,000 in, 
It's going to generate a little bit of death benefit, and I'm just taking a 62-year-old female because I run those a lot. 130,000 of death benefit, sure. 300,000 of long-term care. So you got varying levels of of leveraging your money. Right. Third option is a permanent life insurance plan, whether that's whole life, uh, universal life, S&P index universal life. You take a permanent insurance plan, and you can pay the premiums any way you want. You can pay monthly premiums the rest of your life. You can pay it up in five years, ten years, age 70. Very, very flexible. Okay. The differentiator between plan three and plan two is you're going to have equal amounts of life insurance and long-term care insurance. Okay. So if you buy a $500,000 whole life plan, right. put on a long-term care rider, You've got an also you've got a pool of five hundred thousand of long term care benefit as well. Okay. Now, I don't mean you have two pools. You have one. You, yeah. So there's no there's no skin, uh, scheming and. I can make it happen. I can I can build you. <laughs> yeah, I can build you a hundred uh, a one million dollar life policy and put a five hundred thousand dollar rider. So you got five hundred either way. There you go. Um, so your leverage is equal. Okay. You're buying a five hundred thousand dollar pool that will either pay as a death benefit or, or as a long term care benefit. Okay, and that Absolutely. makes sense. That's pretty easy to, yeah. to understand. That, that is your most expensive of the three options because you're buying such a large amount of life insurance. Sure. But there are young people, young families that say, hey, you know what? i got a need for life insurance and long-term care insurance. It's a fantastic option. So, yeah, if you want to hit that while you're young, it probably makes a whole lot of sense. Absolutely. I imagine it's probably even more expensive as... As you get older, it, it is. So let's let me shift gears on you one more time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we've talked about, you know, if you do proper planning, and you can get some insurance in place. Now, I'm going to go back to the people that called me in November. Um, you know that well, they called me through our other advisor. And so you remember, I told I told you that they were um, they were down to where they had spent down all of mom's money what they were actually trying to do was figure out a way they could transfer because they were talking about you know we're gonna mom's gonna go to a medicaid facility and i stopped them i was like time out it's like let me let me let me i want you to understand what you're actually asking because it sounds all good and well when you're like oh i'm gonna you know mom's gonna use medicaid because at first they were saying you know well doesn't medicare pay for this do you want to answer that question before? Medicare does not pay for it. Right. Medicare so, will pay for up to 100 days in a hospital. And that was a misnomer, too, because they thought Medicare was going to pay for their mom's nursing facility. No. And I t- that was the exact thing that I said to them. I was like, man, that is not going to happen. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. And, the, and then so they're like, well, what about Medicaid? We heard someone saying that, you know, they, you know, we could get into a Medicaid facility. And I was like, okay, here's the, here's the kicker is that she has a house and so she has assets. So the government Medicaid is not uh, a program for, you know, people that have assets. Medicaid exists for, you know, folks who are, are truly, um, you know, truly poor, truly in poverty. Uh, and there are there are no assets available for healthcare, and it's 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 a program that is not the most dignified. If someone goes into a Medicaid facility, it is not going to be like them choosing the private care that they could receive somewhere else. That's correct, and, and that's one of the you know one of the primary purposes of long term care, and that was number two when policy owners were surveyed. Why did you buy this policy? Yep. It's 
that insured said, it's not that I want to be sure I get care. I want to get the care that I want. Right. I want to have the money to not go stay at, at Shady Pines out on County Road 42. You know, I want and to stay in a room like, with four other people. Right. Yeah. Right. And no privacy. And the other thing I want to address real quick, because they were talking about, well, you know, we'll just put the house in our name. And I was like, whoa, time out, Turbo. Look back. Yep. The government has already beat you there. So is it? It's it's is it it's I know it was a three year look back at one point. Have they have they moved it to so, five? To okay. five year it's a look five back year now. look back. Which means that let's say, Martin, you're like, Okay, I, I think I can beat this, you know, qualifying game. We're gonna put the ass you know, my house over here. Yep. If you have a claim within five years of that transfer, it's a null deal. So they bring the house back into yes, back the into net the worth and yes. yep, and say, Hey, you got this house, you got to sell. Yep. And so that's what the brothers were trying to do was, and I told them, I was like, man, it's like, this, is she needing care now? And they were like, yes. I was like, that ain't happening uh-huh. because, nope. you know, and so the deal was, is they were going to end up having to, they had to sell the house yeah. either for, to pay for her care or for her to qualify, you know, and right. she was going to have to spend down the proceeds you um, basically got to be at poverty level, right? And and I can put some actual numbers on that okay. if you'd like for me to. Yeah. Um, so a single individual, not married, that is wanting to qualify for Medicaid, the amount of assets that they can have and still get Medicaid coverage for long term care is two thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars. The amount of assets. Assets. Not cash in the bank. Assets. Assets. So that's if you own a car that is. Five thousand bucks—that's assets. It gets better if you're married. Now, if you're married, Was you can 4, have four thousand, three thousand. Oh my gosh! They don't even double it for you. Wow! Yeah. Thank you, yeah. government. Thanks for kissing us on that one. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about income. What's okay. it going to do if you've got income? So, to qualify for Medicaid for long-term care, the maximum amount of monthly income that the healthy spouse can get in order for the sick spouse to receive care is $3,160.50 per month. Okay. So let me ask a quick question. This is something I honestly don't know the answer to. Does Social Security qualify as that income, or do they exclude Social Security as income? It's going to depend on the assets that you have. There's a complicated formula, okay. but you can go to Medicaid.gov and, and get the complicated formulas. Yeah, I don't want to. No, but... I don't either. Trust me. It's better just to <laughs> I would, Yeah, I would, rather, I would rather provide provide a better quality of life for, for our clients yes. and for our listeners too. So that, you know, insurance is the solution. It's not relying on the government and you know, that's subject to change. And if I were a betting man, I would bet it would not get better. It's going to get worse yeah. since we're a little bit in debt right now in this country. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, you know, and the sad thing is, is there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of families that get impacted by this. And, you know, and let's not even talk about like families that are at poverty or the really the middle class families are the ones that this hurts the most if there's no planning. Because like folks who already have, you know, two million, three million and above in net worth and assets, you know, if they have an event and it costs them, you know, six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars, it's going to it's going to hurt. It's going to suck to write that check, but that doesn't put them destitute. You know, right. they still have another million, two million to live off of. But it's the folks who really, you know, when your savings is, you know, really less than a million, um, the risk of, of getting wiped out from a healthcare event 
become pretty high. And I did not realize that, I mean, I always thought it was still, you know, it's a, it's a 20 year old statistic was in my head, the 30%, 33%. So now it's 53% and, and, yeah, and, and, fifty-three and, uh, to sixty-five percent taking Morningstar and the insurance statistics and, and averaging that number. Yeah, so if you're telling me, hey, I'm going to flip a coin on whether your retirement works or whether it fails, and heads you win and tails you lose, you ready? I'm be like, hell no, I'm not ready. No. We are not flipping a coin to figure out if I have a dignified retirement. But essentially, if 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 you don't have long-term care insurance in place, you're flipping a coin to figure out whether if you're middle class, you're flipping figure out whether you have a dignified retirement. You are. Man. And so for those naysayer clients, when I do go help my um, advisors on a long-term care sale and I, and I get those objections thrown at me where the, the mom is going, well, you know, my son who's 32 years old, you know, he'll come take care of me. My answer is when is the last time he cut your yard? (laughs) Oh, I said, He's not cutting your yard. You think he's going to come back and feed you and bathe you? I'm like, come on. I have, I don't. My kids don't cut my yard now. Mighty. Uh, I, I wish I could get them to. Neil, what do you think, man? You think you think your you think your your girls will take care of you? Uh, I mean, you know, I think it's one thing to say that that you think they're going to, but I mean, you know, let's just say I stay in Oxford in retirement, and I don't know. Whether, yeah. I don't know whether I will or won't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm you know, there's we've we've got a who knows. Um, I don't think any of my kids are going to be in Oxford. Yeah, you know when that's and something so, we didn't even so, talk about. So that, right. you know, I mean, I mean, one of my kids has already gone off to college, and I doubt if she ever comes back to Oxford. What are young people going to do? I mean, I'm not trying to get like bash the state of Mississippi here, but this isn't exactly the haven for young people to get jobs. Uh, so not yet. So you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and and so they're probably going to go off when you know they'll get married perhaps, and they'll have their own children perhaps, and they're going to have their own careers and 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 stuff. And so it's it's not realistic to say that you know say something happens to Laura and I'm by myself and I get sick. It's not realistic that the kids are going to drop everything, and nor would I want them to drop everything right. and to come here and and take care of me. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I think the people that plan on something like that—that's foolish. I agree. And, and and you know another good point that that you know some listeners may be asking is you know health insurance can be very specific to the state you live in, and you know Neil's talking about he may be in Oxford and his kids may be somewhere else. A long-term care plan is going to follow you and pay for that care wherever Where you, you are. Go. Yeah. So you decide to retire in St. Thomas. Fine. It'll pay for care out there. Man, so we could retire in Panama, like the country, not Panama City Beach, Florida. Yes. But Panama, and and we could just get on the government health care program there, right? Sure. That's Neil. That that'll be our that'll be our strategy in the event we don't have long term care insurance and and we get and we need it. We'll just go to Panama. Let's go to Panama. I, that, yeah. I had not thought Panama, about the that. country. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay. I'm gonna I mean, throw one more one more number out there, and I know we're kind of running short on time. You know, when you when you throw a big number, like I talked right off the the beginning about when I'm 80, that cost is going to be a eight hundred and fifty two thousand dollars. Yeah. A lot of times, people go, "I'll never be able to do that," or that's a just a big number these insurance guys are throwing out there. Yeah, shocking all, baby. So here's here's a fact. Okay, somewhere very near us, Monroe, Louisiana. That's hey, that's kind of, that's almost Neil's stomping grounds. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. too far. I went to graduate school in Monroe. Yeah, 
Okay, so you've been there. I've yeah, been there. Oh, yeah. So last year, 2019, if you want a private nursing home room, which we all would, as you mentioned, sure. I don't want to share a room with four other grouchy old men. So right. you want a private nursing home in Monroe, Louisiana. The cost last year was $58,400 a year. Okay. The average length of time that a female is on claim before either passing away or getting better, most of the time they pass away, is about three and a half years. Okay. So you're talking about a two, close to a $200,000 burden. Yep. Men, we give up early. <laughs> we pass away in about two years. Uh, that's okay. what I, I would need that to happen quickly. So. Again, back on, on the number one cause, Alzheimer's yep. is an eight to ten year deal. deal. Yep. So you're talking about yeah. now a half a million dollars. Because the, the body's healthy, just the brain's not. Yep. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, it takes a while for the organs to start. Now, Neil, if you wanted to retire in uh, Manhattan, New York, <laughs> uh, the average cost up there is $161,148 a year. Oh, thank you. No, I'm good. Something good to say about the South, huh? Yeah. I, I, I think at that point, I'll just become an expatriate, and I'll either go to Costa Rica or Panama, the country, and maybe Ecuador. I did, I did read that Ecuador is becoming a large destination for expatriates because the healthcare is reasonably good. But that's what Panama's, you know, biggest seller to expatriates is um, cost of living is really, really inexpensive in the healthcare. If you have a social security benefit that pays every month, you, they will allow you to um, buy into their healthcare system. Now, when you say expatriate, you, you, you're not necessarily referring to Tom Brady here, right? Um, I am not yeah. talking about Tom Brady, the expatriate. <laughs> I am I am talking about Neil and Martin, the odd couple expatriates that had to move to Panama because they didn't plan very well. I just I just you, you opened the show with the dad joke. I thought I would just start. I love it, dude. I, I thought I'd bring I love it to it. a close with the dad, with the dad joke. So we've come full circle now. Neil made his dad joke after Cliff and I started off with the dad joke. So I don't think we can go any further. I think we have to. I think you have to close us, Neil. Yeah, we'll shut it down. That was good stuff. That's fascinating <laughs> stuff, and frankly, it's stuff that's. Um, and I think it's one of the things that makes this show good. Is it's it's um, sobering. People listen to it and they think, ah, I don't want to think about this, and then it leads to conversations at home which need to be had. It's already. I'm, I mean, I'm the host of the show, and I've learned. We've had several uncomfortable conversations because of things that I've heard from some of our guests, including our friend uh, Mr. Young here. So thank you very much for your yeah. time. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, that does it for this edition of the Mind of My Money podcast. I'm Neil McCready. That's Martin Palomo. We will be back, I uh, think, next week when we have a problem. Yeah. Is that right? Or we'll be back next week? No, next week we're good. We'll have Reed with us next week. And then I think I've got a fun idea. Well, I say fun. I have an idea for the next week's show that I'll talk with you about offline, Neil. And okay. I think it'll be really good. It'll be, it'll be another one of those sobering things, but I think it'll be a good one. All right. Well, we will be back uh, this time next week with another edition of Mind on My Money. Until then, take care.